Welcome to Your Insightful Life. I'm your host, Amanda Corbin, author, speaker, and therapist. Join me each week as I share expert ideas, practical tools, and host some amazing interviews with the most insightful minds around. For more information or to get a copy of my book, go to theamandacorbin.com. Now, let's dive in and grow in insight together. Awesome. All right. Hi, everybody. So it's Amanda, and this is another episode of Your Insightful Life. And today I've got an awesome guest, Natalie Rosado. And Natalie is a licensed mental health uh, counselor. So she's here to just kind of help us process through what 2020 has looked like, um, tackling kind of probably the defeats and letdowns, and then maybe tools that we can take into uh, the new year to maybe give us more strength, more encouragement, more excitement um, than what we're ending 2020 on. So Natalie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm just really excited about this conversation. It's needed. It's definitely needed for sure. (laughs) Much needed. And I know you and I were um, chatting offline and one of the things we were saying is discussing mental health was needed even before COVID hit. It really was. And you know, it was and it was great to see as a, a mental health provider and, and you being in the field too, like over the last few years, there's definitely been more attention that was given to the mental health field, a lot more fund, state funding and um, just opportunities for, um, you know, mental health organizations to grow and just in a wider understanding. But I feel like so many people really get it this year um, because so many people have been touched, obviously impacted by this global pandemic. I refer to it as a mass trauma. Um, and, you know, we can talk about that a little bit, but it really has impacted people on so many levels and people who are part of like so many different demographics and populations. So I definitely think that there's more of an awareness, like more of an acceptance and acknowledgement of the presence of mental health issues or mental illness. And so hopefully we'll continue to see this uh, understanding grow for sure. Yeah. When you say it immediately goes to 9-11, Yes. But I feel like, and so as I was listening, you're right, like there's a mass trauma, but what also probably exacerbated this one is the isolation component. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's so funny you say, you mentioned 9-11. So I was actually, somebody sent me an article, um, a, a coworker of mine, and this was probably like two weeks ago, and they were actually comparing this global pandemic with or the 9-11 incident, and they were actually talking about not only was is there a similarity in, in terms of like the impact that it had on so many people, like the vastness of it, but they were actually saying, and, and I hope I get this right because I, I don't want it to come across offensive in any way, but they were saying that there are aspects of this global pandemic that actually go deeper than some of the experiences that people had involving 9-11 because of how long and drawn out this process has been, right? So with like 9-11, there was an incident, a moment in time that happened. And then of course people had to process it. But here there are moments after moments, after moments, after moments that have just compiled on top of one another. And so people are experiencing at deeper levels. Like I kind of, the way I understand COVID-19, this global pandemic, it's like it went wide, but it also went really 
deep. So if you think about, um, and there's so many, I won't get into like the research of it, but there, you know, some people say there are like five major areas of our life, our personal life. Other people say seven or eight. But if you just kind of think about like the major areas of our personal lives, so um, our financial stability, right? Or um, friendships or social interactions or romantic relationships or career, um, like hobbies, spirituality. Like these are all major areas of an individual's life. And this global pandemic impacted multiple areas, if not all areas of a person's life. And so not only are you dealing with the changes externally that have happened because of this global pandemic, but then you're also dealing with those internal changes as well. Um, but you're right, the isolation piece was huge. It absolutely made this situation very different than some of the other traumas that um, people might experience where people go through a traumatic event in the past and are able to kind of come together and support one another. But here we're saying, okay, we're going through something really difficult, but we're gonna have to pull apart and handle it individually. And so what does that even look like? It can be very lonely and isolating for sure. Absolutely. Very interesting, like, because we saw the first, you know, so March is when major, I think we had our first two weeks shut down in March, um, at least in the Florida sector. And then, um, but there was that expectation that, okay, by summer, things will be lifted. Okay, by the fall, things will be lifted. Oh, okay, by December? I mean, yes. <laughs> and you hope, right? Like your voice goes up by December, we hope. <laughs> we hope. So I think the interesting thing is like we expect before it even carried out nine months, we expected it to exacerbate people who already struggled with mental illness, you know? But seven months later, I think that's what you're, by you saying it hits so deep, it's people who didn't even know they were on the spectrum of anxiety or depression, you know, are now falling apart at the seams. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so there was a population and I actually was listening to your previous episode where you were talking, I think you were talking to Brent and Lucy. Yes. 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 Which they did awesome and, um, a great couple. And you mentioned postpartum in the beginning of the episode and you, you were talking a little bit about people not fully understanding, right? Um, some aspects or situations that people go through. And that's kind of similar to what we're talking about here. So you were mentioning that with postpartum depression, you know, typically women that are more susceptible to that have experienced some kind of depression in the past. Um, and then there's a situation that they go through that then kind of rises, like brings some of those struggles up to the surface. And so we did see that initially, I feel like with this global pandemic, like those that were really struggling with mental illness before. So whether it was just depressive symptoms or um, moments of anxiety, they even say like people that really struggled with like OCD, right? So like cleanliness and contamination and that kind of stuff. So initially it just kind of brought some of those struggles right back up to the surface. But I think over time, then we began to see that with the isolation and the, the major changes in people's lives and the stress of like not knowing financially how we were going to pay our bills for the next month and really trying to figure out how am I going to teach my kids at home and work at the same time. And so people that weren't even necessarily struggling with mental illness before then found themselves really experiencing symptoms um, that they had never really experienced before. 
Um, so there's something that's called, and I don't know if you've heard of it, I'm trying to think of the doctor that coined the term. I want to say it was Dr. Arden. I don't know if you've heard of him, this neuroscientist. I want to say it's John Arden. And he coined this term auto stress. I don't know if you've heard of that term or not. Yeah, and so, um, and it's really interesting because I think that's kind of like what we're talking about here. When you think of like, an autoimmune disorder, right? And what typically happens is like the body is supposed to kind of protect itself, but in turn, what happens, it kind of turns against itself. And so that's where we see some of those autoimmune disorders rise. And so he coined this term, which I think is really interesting, auto stress, where it's this thing where we all have that fight or flight in us, right? It's like that amygdala part of our brain. And um, and so naturally it's just, we're created that way too. There's a situation outside a, a situation or circumstance that could potentially be fearful or harmful. And so our bodies just automatically like respond, right? Which is healthy for us. But then what happens is sometimes our bodies turn on ourselves. And so we find that the stress then becomes extremely harmful to ourselves. And so that happens whenever there's multiple areas of our lives that are being impacted over a span of time. And so I think even people that weren't struggling with mental health before find themselves really up against that. And they find how stressful these last few months, seven, eight months have really been for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the good thing, and you're right, it's fun, like us both being mental health providers, like, you know, yes. <laughs> it's, it's okay to have depressive symptoms and, you know, anxious symptoms or, you know, circumstantial depression. You know, I think people have to be careful over these, you know, months that you don't have to jump to any diagnosis just because. You know, if you need it for counseling, for Medicaid bill, you know, for health insurance billing or for um, um, like medication. But other than that, like figure out what those coping skills are to help you through and to learn the tools. But like there's spectrums of depressive behaviors, anxious behaviors, you know, neurotic behaviors that can avoid a full diagnosis of, yeah, major depression or anxiety or it, right and and it's kind of it's neat um i say that because i feel like we're in a diagnosis happy culture yes i agree <laughs> and one of these days so you and i hopefully in the next two months we need to have a podcast on what i coined the virus of narcissism because yeah. oh my gosh that ha listen i can't tell you how many times that word has come up in sessions over the last like four months maybe it's just it's rampant <laughs> It's the collection is what it is. Yes, I love that. I'm down for that. I'll be down yeah. for that. Okay, so back to symptomatic behaviors versus fully diagnosable. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's your observation on that? Absolutely. And it's so interesting you said that. So I was literally talking to a client right before, and I don't think she would mind. I'm not really sharing major details about her. But we were talking about something, and I stopped her, and I said, it's okay to feel like you realize that, like that's part of who we are as like human beings. Like there are, we have a mind 
and we have a soul, right, and a spirit, and 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 our soul is made up of attitudes and emotions in person. I mean, that's part of our DNA. And so, to sometimes people feel like, oh, I'm experiencing certain emotions or moments of sadness or nervousness or worry, and that's how we're wired. It's okay, you know, emotions are okay to feel and to accept and to acknowledge and to recognize. But you're absolutely right. So these these feelings or these emotions really do fall in a continuum and a spectrum. And typically people um, will ask, you know, how do I know it's not just sadness versus depression, right? Or how do I know it's not just worry or nervousness or a little bit of angst versus like clinical anxiety, like generalized anxiety or something more specific. And really the idea is if it causes major, major dysfunction, like that is the key word there. <laughs> I'm like clinically significant distress. If my relationships are still functioning, if I'm still going to work, if I'm still sleeping, you're right, clinically significant distress. You know, are you not going out anymore? Well, that sucks. They're, well, but that's that weird line of isolation. But like yeah. mentally, <laughs> you from going out. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of weird lines, right? A lot of gray area. But yeah, that's right. And so you know, most of us have fallen on the side of the spectrum where we do feel emotions because life happens. Life happens all around us. We experience loss, um, whether it's a, a, a person, like a loss, you know, a death of some sort or a loss of a job, um, a loss of a relationship. Uh, a lot of things can happen to us that obviously episodically will just impact us on an emotional level. We're human beings and we have emotions and we feel. The idea is then, but does it cause such distress or dysfunction where you can't not operate? Yes. That's where when you get to the point where you're like, I'm not showering for four or five days. I, you know, I can't get out of bed. I'm calling out of work. I can't take care of my kids. Um, I'm having thoughts of hopelessness. Um, uh, you know, those kinds of things where you just cannot operate and cannot function, then that is a concern, right? And so that is when we definitely would encourage. And I love that you're doing this, Amanda. Like, just even having the opportunity to say, like, it's okay to reach out. Like, if you find that you're struggling and some of these things I just listed, you're like, yeah, that's me. Or, you know, oh, I check all of those off the list. You know, that's my life right now. Like, it's okay to reach out and get support or even ask for an evaluation of some sort, you know, that something's not quite right. Um, but when we go through moments like this, so going back to like the global pandemic, because so many different areas of our lives, like I mentioned earlier, are being impacted, we're just naturally going to respond to that. So there are going to be feelings of loneliness. You know, the fact that we're, we weren't able to celebrate our, ho our holidays this year with our loved ones or isolation. I live alone, right? A single woman. And so it's like, sometimes that could be hard in, in that kind of environment, knowing that like I'm working alone on video with my clients and then I go home and there's no one there. And so of course, naturally that might bring up some feelings of loneliness and um, just sadness or a little bit of worry about like, where, what is this looking like? Like what direction are we moving in? Um, what is 2021 going to look like? What awaits us right next year? And so that's just naturally going to bring up some of those emotions and that's okay. It's okay to feel. It is okay. one of my greatest mentors. Um, I early on in grad school, she, but it was that emotional discussion and reminding us not only for ourselves, but reminding our clients, but feelings aren't facts. 
Mm-hmm. That's you know, good. and helping and then like that's so liberating when somebody's like you know and because when feelings aren't facts well then now you get to take control and process and you know how is this feeling this thought this behavior affecting my my daily life my functioning you know and so i mean for more than 10 years i haven't watched the news like i just don't and it was before COVID, it was before, but like, good God, why would I in this era watch the news when it's all bad information and it's outside my sphere of control? Absolutely. That's only going to exacerbate stress and negative thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's something, so I'll share two things come to mind as you're talking about this. So um, I don't know if you've heard of the control versus influence sphere, um, like Venn diagram. So I'll try to describe it because I know this is audio, not visual. Hopefully I won't make it too um, uh, confusing. But if you think about a Venn diagram where these two circles kind of come together and there's like this overlap space in the middle, um, on one side of the circle are those things that you could control. And on the other side of the circle are those things that you could potentially influence. And of course, there's a little bit of of, of gray, you know, uh, situations in the middle. And I, I remind my clients that all the time, whenever they come into, they'll come into my office or I'm speaking to them now, obviously through telehealth and they'll bring up a situation that they find to be very distressing. Um, of course, the global pandemic is something we've talked about numerous times in many sessions with clients, this idea of like, you know, how long is this gonna go on for? And, um, you know, will the vaccine work? And just all of these questions that come up and whenever it generates feelings of anxiety or just any negative feelings, I ask them like, is this something, and I'll repeat it, is this a situation that you can control? And if the answer is yes, right, then we will then begin to attach. So you express, you acknowledge the feelings, you put the feelings aside, and then you begin to think about the specific facts, like you mentioned. So what are we going to do about the situation? What could be a potential solution? Nine times out of 10, the answer is no, I do not have any direct control over this situation. So, and then the next question is, well, what are some of those components that we can influence? So what are some things that you can do on an individual level that could then begin to change your specific circle or your your specific situation and recognizing that the rest you really don't have much control over. So with an example like this, when you're thinking about the global pandemic, so definitely, you know, social distancing or just making sure that your household is uh, taking care of like the cleanliness and the hygiene and washing hands and making sure that you're staying connected with your friends and loved ones through Zoom or through phone calls and FaceTime and, um, you know, trying to save financially if you can for um, any financial uncertainty and unrest that might come up in the future and like recognizing there are aspects of a situation we can control and then there are definitely aspects of a situation that we can control but we do have some kind of influence over and oftentimes when we're able to detach that we realize we find ourselves worrying over things that we really don't have any control over and so we don't have any control over what the news is showing right and what the media is showing and even some of um uh, kind of like the twists sometimes that they're providing, but we do have control and influence over whether or not our household watches that, or whether or not I allow that stuff into my eyes or into my ears. And so just realizing there are some things we can control and there are other things we can just influence. And you'd be amazed at how much that provides us a sense of comfort and recognizing that we are doing something about those aspects that we can do something about. 
Um, you mentioned the whole um, feelings are not facts. I, I love that. I love that line. Um, I've actually never heard it. So I probably will use it at some point. Don't you love how we recycle stuff? It's just lovely, right? So I love that. But there's there's something called the, the it's been a while since I've thought I've used it, but the think technique, I don't know if you've heard that before. So um, it's actually pretty cool. So it's this idea that whenever we find ourselves struggling with certain feelings or certain thoughts, one of the ways to kind of help us cope with the dysfunction of that is to kind of walk yourself through these five questions. So the first one relates to what you were saying. So the T stands for true. So is what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking 100% true? The H is for helpful. Um, me thinking about this or feeling this way and sitting in my feelings, is it helpful in any way? Um, the I is inspiring. Are these thoughts and feelings inspiring to me as a person? The N is necessary. Is it really necessary for me to be thinking about this at this specific moment in time? Or can I table it and come back to it later? And then K is kind. So are these thoughts and feelings kind to me and my body? And so sometimes that could be really helpful in realizing it's okay to recognize our feelings. It's okay to feel, but we don't want to be led and directed by our feelings or negative thoughts, right? And so just kind of walking yourself through that sometimes can really help us with that process. I like it. Yeah. It's kind of neat because realizing that there is, um, it's that there's empowerment in knowledge, you know. And so sometimes people are afraid to kind of figure out what is going on with this feeling because they're kind of afraid of what's on the other side if they really process. But I love with what you just said, like the think technique. Okay, so true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind, because allowing yourself and that is the whole goal like my if i could teach anybody anything in life like everyone in the world if you learn insight then the world will be better right because insight allows us to just stop and process like what's happening that's what insight is and so with feelings we don't have to ignore them if they're negative or strong or but we don't have to let them lead is what you're saying and i love it Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you chose that word insight, like insight, insightful, right? For your podcast and your book. And you're absolutely right. Um, oftentimes you'll find people who, um, sometimes it, there are people who are a little bit hesitant in, like you said, and in, in, in walking through that process and reflecting because they're afraid of what might be on the other side. But and then there are others that don't allow themselves to pause and to reflect and to be insightful. And so they just kind of make decisions and they go in directions that they really don't need to be going in. So there's beauty in just pausing and realizing what's going on, what am I thinking and what's best for me? Like what are some solutions and directions I could potentially move down? So there is definitely power in pausing for sure. Yeah, I love it. And with what you just said, like progress doesn't necessarily denote insight. Like moving forward doesn't mean you're more intuitive no not at all sometimes you'll have to move backwards then right <laughs> that is so but you're right like it's the pausing part are you willing and able can you stop in a day and if not then there's there's a barrier to insight there's a barrier to you know healthy healing and progress um Absolutely. just constantly moving ahead does not mean <laughs> you're aware. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I agree. You know, something that I do. So I, 
It's funny because this word pause, I actually use a lot with my clients and I encourage them to do that. And people do it in various ways. You know, some people can do it in a meditative way for a longer period of time. Um, for me, my brain is always going and it's always running a mile a minute. And um, it's hard for me to sit for long periods of time, but that's a whole nother story. But for me, sometimes I'll just set an alarm um, a few times a day. And the minute it goes off, it's just a reminder for me to just take a step back and to pause. Sometimes I'll call it like an emotional check-in. Like uh, that's another way of just um, to kind of understanding what to do during that emotional pause. But, um, or in between sessions, uh, I, I will usually play instrumental music uh, for between sessions and I'll just take a second and just kind of like, you know, just kind of reflect on what we just talked about, uh, especially if it was a heavy session and just really kind of let it go and allow myself to be able to move on to whatever is awaiting me next. So there is definitely some great things that can happen through pausing for sure. A lot of reflection, a lot of understanding, um, just making sense of what's going on. And I feel like sometimes, especially in our society where it's like, go, 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 though I feel like this global pandemic has really halted that whole culture of just kind of going and moving. Um, so that was one thing that really came out of this, I feel like for many people, but when we go and we go and we go and we go, there's so many things that we are not paying attention to internally and even externally with our spouses our family members work there's so many things we're overlooking and so when you're able to pause and kind of reflect like what's going on around me and what's going on internally there's a lot of great things can really come out of that for sure absolutely and having because one of the things we mentioned earlier is what has happened in this pandemic is what used to be community support and you would just go to a coffee house or go hang with friends like that has been taken away but in that pausing and checking in and reflecting with yourself finding new ways but we still need support systems we still need and it is weird because i'm a relational person so two-dimensional you know zoom <laughs> is not the same not. it has to be secondary it has to be you know i have to accept like again you and i we're zooming this podcast because we're not face to face and but it's allowing ourselves to um to lower our expectations just because we can't be face to face doesn't mean we don't have to connect so within our sphere of control within that you know that venn diagram how can i get the support i need with the parameters of what the government's got in place, you know? Absolutely, yeah, that is key. And it's a struggle for many, many people. Um, and, you know, some things will work for some and, and, and may not work for others. Um, and so just really exploring our options and what works best for you and just your lifestyle. I'll share a story because I know you and um, you and your husband have done like mission work and stuff yeah. in the past. Like it's something I remember. So I'll never forget this moment. It'll forever be really embedded um, in my mind. I went on the first mission trip I went on I went to Honduras and we it was um it was kind of like a, a Christmas one where we gave Christmas presents out and we went to a number of different schools and stuff it was a great opportunity but I remember there was one moment where 
our guide said we're pulling off into this orphanage and it really wasn't on our like itinerary um but it was close by and they just wanted to kind of sh show us a little bit of like what that life was like there and so i remember we went and it was great we got to see a you know kids kids were amazing big heart they really enjoyed the visit and stuff it was a great trip but there was one little room and i was just kind of exploring and i walk into this one room and there were car seats that were lined up throughout the entire living room and they were full and there were babies in these car seats that were strapped in and there was one lady that was attending to all of them and they were crying, some were sleeping, um, and she was trying to feed them and change them. And it, there was just a lot going on. And of course, I asked her, um, you know, I speak Spanish, and I asked her if there was anything I can do to help. And and she said, I, I can tell it was just a very overwhelming um, just environment for her. And so she just kind of was like, you know, feel free to engage with them and just kind of play with them and stuff. And so I was like, yeah, definitely. And so I see one and he was just beautiful. And I go and I pick him up and I'm holding him the whole time. And it's probably like an hour and a half, two hours that I'm holding this little one. And I just can't put him down. There's something so special about him. And I fed him and I helped change him. And so they come after a while, they come and find me and they say, you know, we're getting back on the bus. And so I go to put him down and just, he stretched out his arms and he just began to wail. And in that moment, I realized that even at that young age, when he wasn't receiving the care that you would ideally think he would receive, there was still this innate desire for connection. And, you know, and that for me has always stayed in my mind and even more so in a, a time like this where we're realizing that like, it's just ingrained in us, this desire to like, to connect and to be in community. We're relational beings, you know? There's no place we can go here on earth where we would live in isolation and not need anyone for anything. And so I feel like in a time like this, we really realize how important and significant our relationships really are. And so it's hard when we're, things are put in place, like you said, governmentally and just legally, where we're having to kind of keep physically in proximity the space. So like how creatively can we be in figuring out how can we continue to nurture these relationships and these bonds with our loved ones and our friends and, and you know family members and, and still respect those boundaries. And so, um, you know, what we're doing here is a great example of that. When I first started, I remember my first telehealth appointment in March and it was with a teenager and I thought, what? This is going to fall so flat. How am I going to do counseling on video? Like, it just was something I would never, ever have thought I'd do. I just, I'm so open to like, I love the intimacy of being in a room with someone and just the quietness and the, the space that we get to really kind of connect. And so I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And I'm not going to lie. There were some fears there of like, am I going to have to do something different? Like, is this it for my field? Like, what's going on here? And no, we've learned to acclimate. That's one thing I feel like about us as human beings is that we are so resilient. And no matter what is really kind of thrown at us, um, whether through decisions that we've made or just uncontrollable life situations, there's something about our beings that just allows us to just acclimate and adjust. 
And I feel like we've done a pretty good job of that overall. You know, we've really tried to creatively figure out like how can we still connect? We realize that connection is something that we so desire and we really need on various levels, right? Depending on our personalities and whatnot. But um, but I'll never forget that story, you know, that experience with that little one. And I just realized, you know, it, he didn't have a lot of experience with connection um, and comfort but he still innately desired it. It was something that he needed. Um, and so, yeah, so to answer your question, you know, there's different ways. So obviously through Zoom, I know that a lot of people have even done, I'm not a techie person, but phone games. Um, and so they've played doing some trivia games, like either on Zoom or through FaceTime on the phone. Um, you know, going outside, and even if you're not interacting with loved ones, but just being outside in parks or on trails and, um, you know, enjoying the outside, but also being around other people that are doing the same can also be pretty um just pretty helpful and really beneficial for sure in such a difficult time yeah and you're right there, there's more freedoms outside so yeah like connect and acclimate like if it can't be that close to close whatever then what's what's second best you know what's the a backup plan yeah um awesome okay so i want to give highlights of what i feel i've received from you because this is awesome and it's been good and then i want you to um yeah tell listeners um so since you're in private practice you know where they can get your info so the one you mentioned um the think technique so asking ourselves is it true is it helpful is it inspiring is it necessary is it kind you know and processing is this something you know through those questions is this something i need to tackle right now is it something i even need to allow in my life right now um and then pausing it's checking in and reflecting with yourself like you know you listen to instrumental music between sessions my family doesn't understand why i don't like the radio on in the car like <laughs> i just need quiet at some point in my life <laughs> to anyone 30 minutes after I leave my office at all no one know they know not to call me I don't answer calls I need a break <laughs> and I love engaging with people but we just our brain needs to have an opportunity to turn off our brain needs you know and that's for everyone whether a mental health provider or not you know mm -hmm. um and then like you I love what you said when we were talking about connection but you said connect and acclimate and I think that acclimate is a challenge for all of us to really allow ourselves to check in with what our former expectations were of what relationships and interactions look like and acclimate to what the current situation allows us to do and then connect within those parameters. Otherwise we're spiraling again, feeling powerless and anxious and out of control. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will say, so I'll say this um, in regards to what you, you know, what you just mentioned in terms of like acclimation. So my first session, I was like, how are we going to do this? This is the end of my career. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have to find another job. This is not going to work via video. And now I've, I, there's something about, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet. So I don't know if this will fully make sense, but I've realized that there's this pattern where there's something about having a little bit of a barrier. So the fact that they're not sitting right across from me and I'm staring at them as they're trying to think of the answer, or trying to talk about something that is extremely difficult and sensitive to discuss. And there's something about that being in separate rooms that I feel like has allowed people to be even more free. 
And so when I think about this idea of acclimation, that's absolutely right. Like I realized like we've adjusted and not only have we adjusted, but I feel like it's even better. Like I'm just, I'm learning so many different sides to like what it is that I do and how it, it just works. It works and it works really well. So yes, absolutely connect and acclimate for sure. Right. Awesome. So Natalie, thank you. And how can people find out about you if they need, you know, counseling? Where can they track you down? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've made it really simple. So it's counselingwithnatalie.com. <laughs> Yours is just as simple, right? The, the Amanda Corbin. Um, so counselingwithnatalie.com. And on there, there's my contact information. Um, there's a bio about me if anybody has any specific questions about my background and my experience. Um, and we even started at, so I realized that sometimes, especially in such a difficult season like this, financially, sometimes counseling can be, uh, it's just not something that's really accessible available to everyone so I started something called the real talk and so it's a chatting support system and so they chat with me um, and it's just really like care and support for them and it's it comes in like a text message to them so they don't have to download anything else um, and it's just a great opportunity to have one additional support as we go through such a difficult time and thank you again so very much Thank yeah. you. With uh, yeah, our our we'll we'll continue with our fun mental health topics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>